Extraordinary stories from across Scottish football communities. This is the SPFL Trust Football Powered Podcast. Hello and welcome to the SPFL Trust Football Powered Podcast. I'm your host Callum Woodger. And I'm Lawrence Brody. The SPFL Trust Trophy is back up and running again and for each round of the competition we're going to bring you some of the best stories from Scottish football communities. Our tie of the second round is Kilmarnock B against Dumbarton. We'll chat about the game and bring you powerful stories, including how the Killy community coach Emmanuel Ayobami is building a new home in Scotland after leaving Ukraine. We'll learn about the connections he has built and Killy's work in local schools with charity manager Jordan Allison. And on the pitch, we'll also hear from Dumbarton manager Steve Farrell and Kilmarnock B youngster Bobby Wales. But first, let's hear a bit about Emmanuel's story. <laughs> So it's been fantastic having Kelly in the school, working with our primary fours and primary fives. Um, they've loved working with the coaches, um, and developing their football skills, as well as working on their health and well-being. My name is Ayobami Emmanuel. So I'm from Niger- I'm in Nigeria, but I'm based in Ukraine. I'm here due to the war issue. We are here in Klimanog with my family, and I believe wherever I'm working is my home country. That is my own belief. I wanted to say I believe, but I know that the children love it. I'm enjoying the, the work. So Artem is one of our Ukrainian pupils and it's been fantastic for him to come in and to connect with a Ukrainian coach, share a love of football and also share their language together. It's been a really special thing to watch and to be able. My name? My name is Artem. Yosef. Yosef. I'm eight years old. I'm eight years old. Eight years old. Good. He said he would like to go back to Ukraine to play football in the future. Fabulous film and, and thank you Jordan for the Killy community allowing us to play that one through. Emmanuel, I'm just listening to, to that. Tell us a bit more. How does a a man from Nigeria end up via Ukraine in Kilmarnock. I'm from Nigeria and uh, I went to, let me say I flew to, from Nigeria, I went to Ukraine for a football trial. That was 2006. Getting there, all the promises, um, promised then for me being getting club in Ukraine could not work out for me. So I decided to put in for school. So. On that one year that I put in for the school, I was like playing for the school, university games like that. So along the line, fortunate for me, I got myself a team. My team went to play um, under a team of uh, FC Metalist in Arkov, Ukraine. So that's where I was being picked. So that's how football got started. So and as I was studying and I, I'm playing the game, so to this time before the war broke out last year. So 
and from there i left there i flew the war to ireland from ireland i came to scotland what was it like in ukraine at that time when the war broke out for you the moment the wars broke out uh it still took me about uh, let me say a week to 10 days before i flew because i have my family there and uh, the city where i am uh i got myself a job 2019 at that city that's the city which i land in ukraine Akov, and i've been there for all my my life all the football that i play was there so 2019 uh, I was planning with my family 2018, we are planning to move to the capital city in Kiev near my family. But fortunate for me, I got myself a job in the city where I am. So I decided not to leave. So I just moved my family to Kiev. Then while I'm staying in Aki. So when the war broke out, I think the first day I just called, make a call to my wife that they should move close a city close to the border so that when it's escalated, it will be easier for them to cross the border. So after some days, I speak to my director that the war is getting brutal, that I need to make move. And the man just tell me, ah, Emmanuel, you can make a move. What about your family? I said, my family, they are on their way going already. So he said, okay, I can stay back in Poland and all that. I said, okay. So after like a week or eight days or ten to ten days i left the country to a city where they call um, Lvov. so i was there like a day so because the everywhere was so crowded even to move you can't move your car everywhere is just blocked there is a lot of hold up but i could not go with my stuff i just okay let me just go with my backpack so I just left so i was in that city even before i get to that city it was hell we are like the train is it's just like a train that contain let me say 100 people and you find almost a thousand people on that train we are sitting on ourselves so good for me i find my way through so when i get to Lvov, then i met one of my friends that is living in Lvov there so we just moved together with his car and if we find ourselves in a city called Lublin in Poland. So that's how the journey started. So I was in, in that Lublin, then make call to my wife that, okay, me, I've crossed already that they should start coming, that I've made provision for them where they will stay and all that. So after like three days, they met me and we now decide to move. And we decide between ourselves, where should we move to? So my wife was like, ah, let's stay back in Poland and me, you know, when I came to Ukraine, I've, before I break through, I've passed a lot of things. So I don't want anything to, something like that, you know. A lot of things have happened and I've had a lot of experience. So I just decided, let's move to Germany. So when we get to Germany, I could not bear it again because when I get to Ukraine, my first time in Ukraine, let me say my first two, three years, I find it difficult in terms of uh, the language because I, w- I was born in Nigeria and, uh, you know, Nigeria, we are colonized with, uh, by United Kingdom and we speak English and it's easy, easy for me. So I was like, I don't want to go through the same problem that I, when it comes to language barrier. Mm. So I told my wife that I 
have to leave Germany. Let me move to an English country. That's when I moved with them to Ireland. I was in Ireland for some times and all my life I've been into football. That's why I have two degrees with me. So I did not practice my degree because of my my football career and all that. Because in 2018, I decided to go for coaching course because you know, one thing about life, whatever you love so much, for you to depart from there, it will, is, a, is a big thing. So I just want to be around that football. I want to do if I want to learn. So I decided to do that uh, coaching course, which is uh, like, uh, C9 cents then in Ukraine. So I have that and uh, when I'm leaving, the first thing I used to is my credentials. If even if I'm traveling, even if I'm traveling to Ireland close by here, I have to go with my credential. I don't leave my documents out of. I can leave every other thing, but my document, credential, and other things, passport, always with me. So that's why the journey began. So I find myself in Ireland, but when I get to Ireland, good people good environment but you know when it comes to the football island there are some country you cannot like city you cannot find football and the city where i am is a is a small city i could not find what i like in times of sports i decided i talked to my wife it's better i move to uk any part of uk it will be better for me so fortunate for us we find ourselves in scotland and we, now we are in Klimanok. Bless God. We thank the people that we met, met good people. I don't know. Maybe it's what, or maybe it's the sincerity that I've been brought up with that is giving the way for me. When I came here, I met a woman, and from there, I was connected to, to Jordan sitting by me now, and by his grace, thank God, they accept me, they put me through some things and now i'm enjoying it <laughs> so that's it that's brilliant jordan tell us about it from from your perspective about when you you first met emmanuel and, and how it all came about um, from the killy side of things we first met emmanuel from purely a, a football perspective obviously we're the, the charity at come on football club so we have uh, community programs working with the kids from um, as young as three year old um to adults, um, you know, well into the football memories program, older adults. And, uh, so we're always looking for volunteers. We're always looking for staff um, that are passionate about working with people who want to use football to improve their lives. And Emmanuel was, you know, he struck us straight away as someone that could be a huge help to us. So I think what Emmanuel's talked about, he speaks so nonchalantly about his, his journey, but I can tell you right now, seeing young people um, in schools, um, young people in the football pitch hearing Emmanuel's story, it, it's, it's such an eye-opener, it's such a valuable um, eye-opener and an educational experience for them, um, learning about Emmanuel's journey, even from his, his football roots to, you know, what what him and his, his family have been through in the last year. So, no, Emmanuel's been, been absolutely terrific for us and um, even internally as well, you know, as his staff, um, even at the football club as well, like the players now, uh, the first team, they, they call him Manny, shake his hand every time he walks past and, you know, they're learning as well through Emmanuel. So it's been, it's been a great um, experience for us as much as Emmanuel's enjoying himself as well, uh, delivering the work that he's doing. And it, we couldn't help but notice the fact that in that, that, that lovely film, 
Um, there were some Ukrainian kids in the in the school. Emmanuel, what's it been like to provide some help and support to to the children? Uh, I think um, they have been doing great in, great stuff to them in different schools because um, I've met uh, most of the school that I've attended. I think I've met about uh, three to four Ukrainians. And I have to tell you this, it has been great because when I speak to these children, I find out that there is a lot of improvement in them. Even my own daughter, are you getting it now? There is a lot of improvement. These are the people, this is a country whereby I think they started um, introducing English to their, to their children or in school, in their school back in Ukraine. They started introducing English, let me say about five years or six years ago. So somebody like me, I remember when I go into the country, it was so difficult for me to, when it comes to the language. So most of the children that came into this country that I've met so far, I bet you almost all of them have improved a lot in terms of their mm. English of which I understand is the work of Scottish teachers, you know, that they are working on that they are teaching. Most of them, if I even go to the schools, uh, I want to speak the language to them, but they will respond to me in English. So that shows the difference, you know? So you see some like, even there is a boy, last, last week was at the camp here, yeah, last week, I forgot his name. I was trying to speak the language to him, but he respond to me in uh, in uh, English. So automatically, their 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 thoughts have been changing, their mentality is changing now. So that's the difference. And I believe Scotland have done very well for the for Ukraine. And Jordan, I suppose Emmanuel's story is a really strong example of something that's became a bit of a cliche and something that a lot of people will say. But football is a universal language, and that people can connect through the sport really easily no matter where you're from yeah absolutely emmanuel's talked a wee bit about the improvements that he's seen in, in young people's language uh, young people from ukraine i think east ayrshire where we are based um the council have taken in uh, and and you know families have taken in um lots of ukrainian families but you can imagine how hard it is for one young person in a in a entire primary school one person can't you know is from ukraine can't speak a word of english but emmanuel was starting to deliver six week football blocks in those schools and genuinely mm. the feedback we've had from teachers is that yeah they've seen improvements in their, their football and in their integration within the class but it was the language the from the ukrainian young people they were learning through football mm. they were learning um you know they, they were more looking forward to their football session than maybe their their um the language session they were learning more english or, or scottish actually from yeah. uh, from their football <laughs> session that plus the the friendships that have been made as well um a, a huge part of that um as we as all clubs um, as part of the spfl trust know is is about things like can we provide a healthy lunch and things can we help um young people make new friends um with people from the local area and that was all you know able to be achieved um through the power of football so it's great that um, that Emmanuel was a part of a part of that, and we can see actually that you know every day we, we see Emmanuel working away, and he's enjoying it himself, which is which is half the battle as well. So no, it's it's been great. I'm thinking as well that for um, for the kids from from Scotland who are at school in East Ayrshire, the opportunity to have the experience um, that they get from Emmanuel and and some of those Ukrainian kids is incredibly valuable for them as well. 
it's it's so unique. I think, um, as I said, when, when we met Emmanuel, it wasn't um, a case of anything other than, you know, his passion for football was the thing that stood out. But then looking back now, it, it is incredibly unique to have someone. I mean, these kids are going home. They're seeing on the news what's happening in Ukraine in, in, a, in a kind of global context. But then having someone, you know, who's personally experienced it, um, you know, coming to deliver football for all sessions with them and, and talk away to them about the realities of it and have that give that real personable that human aspect to it. I think it is something that that is really unique and that it's it's incredible that, that kind of football has brought them together and it's something that we we should shout about more because it's it's something that, that is really uh, even you know within the football club here at Commander we we take it for granted a bit about the kind of educational experience it's helped us with so um, you can only imagine what's that what that's done for for young people young people are probably going home and after you know engaging with Emmanuel and educating their own parents yeah. their own carers on the um, on what's going on so it's it's great that football's been able to to help them achieve that Emmanuel it was you know you've had this really difficult last year or so lots of turmoil lots of moving around what are your hopes for the future now do you see yourself staying in scotland and, and making that your home for the foreseeable future actually a lot of people have been asking me this same question and for me my belief is not even about uh, maybe where are you from mm -hmm. you are from africa or where i believe wherever you are working Maybe you are working, you are from Africa, let me say Nigeria precisely, and uh, you are living in Scotland, you have your work, you have your family with you. For me, that place is your country now mm -hmm. because I, I cannot be living in Nigeria and be flowing to Scotland and work and flow back in the, you know. So I have to, for me, it's better for me. And one thing about me is that this is, a, this is a job that I love doing, and this is what I've been into. is part of me. Even I have some of my friends when I was in Germany telling me, ah, my guy, you need to stay back in that. I said, no, I can't stay in a country whereby I will still be going for classes, for language and all that, mm. because I, a lot of things, whenever I get into a country, I used to notice I will relax, try to find out what and what is going on in that country. And when I get to Germany, I find out that if you want to really communicate, because it's, let me say, I, I had that experience in Ukraine also. Before, before I find something doing very well that makes me to now say, okay, I want to have a family and all that, I have to understand that language. You know, a country whereby they don't speak English. You find maybe out of 100, you find maybe it's 10 that are speaking English, and maybe that 10 are not around you. So the ones that are speaking the language, they are more around you than the. So I decide for me, Scotland, good, good place, good hospitality. Since I came to this place, it's, it's been good. So if I find myself settling down here fully, for me, I'm all right. Jordan, so. can I can I check with you? Um, I'm just wondering in terms of Emmanuel's um, induction into life in Scotland and life at Killy in particular. Have you taught him the words of paper roses yet? Have <laughs> <laughs> I taught you any of the Killy songs? Well, actually, Emmanuel's been. Um, I don't think he's missed many games. Actually, I mean, we, you know, Emmanuel's day job usually Monday to, to Friday, actually. Um, but then, you know, he's, he's, he's basically a season ticket holder now at Rugby Park. He's, 
he was at the game on Saturday there when we've uh, we've beat Rangers. Uh, I don't know if he knows uh, Paper Roses yet or any of the, the Kelly songs, but. So Jordan, just while we've we've got you, um, what else is is happening right now? Busy time at the Kelly community. A, a very busy time um, at the moment. We're we're just about to include our, uh, conclude sorry our, our summer camps. It's been one of our busiest uh, summer camps that we've had. We're in the process of of concluding that, and and hopefully actually it's going to come with uh, maybe exciting news that we've got a, a new facility on the uh, on the horizon that we'll be able to you know even. Like grow our, our camps even bigger uh, in the future and then or hopefully in the near future um so that's kind of bubbling away in the background we've got a lot of i mean our football memories program has been one of our more successful programs in terms of growth over the last year but we're looking at ways that we can grow that even further because we do have a, a large community here that of, of older people not just those that, that are sadly living with alzheimer's and dementia but some that are just living in kind of social isolation and loneliness so can we bring them into the football club and other means that those that maybe aren't massively into football can we have kind of senior get-togethers and things so that's something that we're planning to do very very soon as well and then before we know it the schools will be back as well we've, we've just finished celebrating that we've been able to reach every single primary school in East Ayrshire over the the last kind of academic term and delivering our, our football for all sessions so how can we grow that? Can we, you know, start to engage some of the, the schools and, and neighbouring uh, local authorities as well? And because Kilmarnock Football Club has a, a bigger reach than just East Ayrshire, and as at the Kelly community, we we aware we work with people that, you know, young people that aren't just Kelly fans, that aren't even football fans as well, and and trying to engage them with all the programmes that we're doing. So we've got loads going on, and um, you know, we're, we're thankful that we've got a team of staff and volunteers like Emmanuel who are just really, really passionate about giving young people and adults uh, an opportunity, regardless of their, their background or circumstances. So, yeah, a big year ahead, but we're looking forward to it. And you must have a new football fans and training cohort starting soon, Jordan. That's coming around. That's been brilliant. Um, our football fans and training programme, thanks to the SPFL Trust. It's been, it's grown um, even bigger than, than when we started it. Um, all probably because of word of mouth. I think... We, you can market these programs, you can advertise them, but as we all know, with the SPFL Trust uh, charities, our, our experiences of it is that we use the football stadium and we use the football club to, to draw people in, but sometimes programs like these are just still people have that feeling in the back of their head, look, is this program for me? But actually, the, you know, our participants more often than not are achieving their targets in terms of whether that's um, weight loss, whether that's improving their their, uh, their mental well-being as well as their physical well-being so that then spreads through word of mouth and um, before you know it you don't actually need to, to market these programs it's if people want to come and be part of um, a successful program like football fans and training so yeah we I think we've got another two sessions to deliver before the end of the year so yeah we're looking forward to to doing that and using rugby park as a kind of exciting place for people to come in and achieve those goals. I'm always struck by two key things about um, football fans and training the first one is it's free which is actually incredibly important at this moment in time because it's very easy to spend lots of money that you might not have on various different fitness um, programs and so on. But the other key bit is the fact that um, the research has shown over the years that people who lose weight, get fitter, healthier, happier, um, are able to keep that weight off. So there's something very sustainable about the whole program um, as well as everything else. Yeah, 100%. I think that's down uh, to to probably two things. One is the educational element that you get through football fans and training. And even then, you're, you're, yeah, people are shocked to find out that it's free because you're getting um, proper 
um, educational resources along with um, what you're doing in terms of physical activity at the stadium. But then the second thing is that, just like you said, the sustainability part after it. And I know a lot of other um, charities are doing similar to us, where when you get to the end of that 12 weeks, you know, you can be part of the, the other programmes that we've got, women's recreational football, our boot camps that we do here, um, even some of the, the mental wellbeing projects that we've got here as well. So there, there's something for you at the end of it. There's there's a, you know, you come and you feel part of the club. You don't want to lose that. So you've maybe made some new connections, some new friends throughout it. Um, you know, you can stick together and be part of further programmes. So I think that's that's all part of the magic of it. And um, certainly the feedback we've had at, at the Kelly community is that the programme is run really well and, and our staff are, are, are quite proud of that. And they're looking forward to continuing it and, and delivering the next two cohorts uh, by the end of the year. And literally just one last thing um, from me, I know as time runs out, but um, I was just looking at notes from Sam H just before I came on to um, today's programme and I can see that the changing room is also um, coming to, to Rugby Park and that's been a hugely successful programme to support men's mental health at, at clubs across the country. Absolutely, yeah, we, we started at, um, I think uh, at the tail end of last year and um, like everything, just in terms of getting numbers, it's again word of mouth and you know, are we, you know, can we target the, the, the people that will benefit the most from that programme? That programme's, from what our staff uh, tells, it's, it's it's really simple to run. It's it's not daunting at all for the participants. And, you know, once they're in, you know, they want to see it through to the, the, the 12 weeks. And then again, when you get to the end of that 12 weeks, they've made new friends, they've made new connections. Um, they feel part of something, they feel part of a club. And maybe for a lot of them, that's the first time um, that they've ever felt part of a you know a group or a club or, or, or anything like that they've maybe not felt like programs like that are for them so again another project that we're, we're looking forward to to restarting and we, we know that from the success of when we did it last time that again we'll, we'll have good numbers so yeah we're looking forward to it and it's a, it, that's a really special program we, we love delivering that one and, and seeing the outcomes that people achieve by the end of it Yep, thank you very much for coming on and uh, speaking to us, Emmanuel and Jordan. Your task now, Jordan, is to go away and teach Emmanuel a few words to paper roses and maybe let him try a Kelly pie as well. Just don't tell anyone I'll involved with football oh, fans. No, and <laughs> no Kelly pies. <laughs> coming up next, we have some football chat with Dumbarton manager Steve Farrell and Kilmarnock B attacker Bobby Wales. But first, it's time for the halftime highlights, a run-through of some football-powered stories from across the community. Rangers Charity Foundation have been celebrating football fans and training participant Elizabeth who has lost over a stone in their 13-week programme and continues to implement sustainable lifestyle changes. She told the foundation that she now has a can-do attitude as she looks to continue her health and fitness journey. Looking to make positive changes like Elizabeth, football fans and training is officially open for registration with 18 clubs taking part this season. You can get fit for free at your local club. Visit sbfltrust.org.uk forward slash FFIT to learn more. Elsewhere, Morton and the community have teamed up with Moving On Inverclyde, a community support service for people affected by problematic use of alcohol or drugs to deliver the Changing Room. The Changing Room is Scottish football's biggest mental health programme. The initiative is delivered in partnership with SAMH and SPFL Associated Clubs and Trusts, funded by Movember. To other matters, Falkirk Foundation have recently launched a boot swap service, Fresh Kicks. Donate your old football boots and they will make sure they find new homes with growing children who can benefit from them. In the capital, Big Hearts are preparing for their biggest ever gala on the 9th of September. 
The evening, hosted by Heart of Midlothian's official charity, will feature Scottish Cup winners Paul Hartley and Darren Barr, with many more special guests to be announced. And finally, congratulations to Cove Rangers Community Foundation, who are now a registered charity. They are one of 37 clubs that have an associated trust registered as a charity. Welcome back to the second section of the podcast where we'll speak to Dumbarton manager Steve Farrell and Kilmarnock B forward Bobby Wales. First though, let's take a look at the round two fixtures which take place on August 15th and 16th. Aberdeen B take on Peterhead, Albion Rovers welcome Trunent, and an Athletic take on Strunrar, Hibs B travel to Brecon City, Clyde play University of Stirling, Dundee B take on East Fife, Elgin City face Forfar, Kilmarnock B take on Dumbarton, Stennis Muir play Rangers B and Stirling Albion welcome East Kilbride. And now we're joined by Dumbarton boss Steve Farrell to discuss our tie of the round, the Suns clash against Kilmarnock B. So Stevie, um, looking ahead to your uh, SPFL Trust Trophy match against Kilmarnock B, um, what are you expecting from that match? Is it, is it difficult going up against B teams to kind of know what to expect almost? I suppose it is because it's no teams that you play in a in a regular basis or come up against on a regular basis. Do you know, obviously, uh, if you if you draw the the, the Premier League team, Kilmarnock in a, in a League Cup or a section or a Scottish Cup, then mm. it's the first team squad that you're playing. So a lot of these 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 lads that we're going to be playing next week, we don't know a great deal about them. So it's important that we do as much homework as we possibly can prior to the tie. Watch as much footage as we can. Uh, obviously we know a lot of the kids because some of them have been out and loan in the SPFL but in terms of as a team and, yeah. and how they, they play as a team then that makes it more difficult for us And how important is the competition to Dumbarton? Was it was it something that you know when you were a manager at Sunrar that you always looked to as a, a chance to go far in the competition and make a bit of money and also have that nice wee cup run for, for the team and for the fans? I think if I'm being honest I mean the SPFL trophy is, is probably one of the few Cups that I think lower league clubs, uh, and that's no disrespect to any lower league club, that have a real chance of you know, being successful in it yeah. and getting to the latter stages. So it's, you know, when you're involved in any national competition like that, you've got to try and take it as seriously as you possibly can. Uh, but it's you've also got to try and balance it as a part-time club with the extra game, you know, in the midweek between the two, you know, shoehorn between the two league games to try and use the, the full squad the best we possibly can. So, you know, we're, we're going to do that uh, this year. We'll try and use as many of the squad as we can between Saturday the two and the two league games, either Saturday between the Kilmarnock game. But we'll, uh, we'll certainly go into that game and try and win the, win the tie, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. And I suppose, like you say, it's about balancing it with your, your league commitments. Um, you know, the, the lads came very close last season to to getting promotion out of League 2, I take it, that's the aim for, for the new campaign is to go again and, and try and get out of that division? No, listen, as in, you know, our aim's no different to probably, you know, the other nine clubs in Division 2, so we, we know it's a tightly uh, competitive league, and as it was last year, but, you know, we we, we run, we just come up short last year, and rightly so, because still and Albion were, were the best team in the league, and, and rightly so promoted, but we believe we've added well in terms of the recruitment in the summer, and we believe we'll be you know, strong contenders again this year in terms of the collective group. So it's important the way we use that uh, motivation from last year to, to, to kick on in the league this year if we possibly can. But that's not taken away for the cup competitions and the next competition that we play in the cup is obviously next Tuesday. And we, as I said before, we'll be going into that tie trying to win it and progress. Yeah, I was just looking at your, your squad. It's, you know, it's been constructed before, um, before I came on there and 
a lot of experienced guys in there. Um, a lot of players you feel would be influential in that dressing room. Mark Dunnan's one that stands out to me. He's just came in and he's been made captain straight away. How influential has he been and you know how important was it for you to get him over the line and into the door? No, it was important because we lost we lost some uh, experienced players in the summer, so it was important that we, we replaced those players with, with quality, with the right types of character, and, mm. and more importantly, you know, we one or two leaders, and I think we've done that way. We Mark Dunn and played at a good level, and, and, and you know, across Scotland, the Premier League, the Championship, you know, most of his his times when played at that level, and he's coming to it as a good age as well, you know, and it probably suits his circumstances and personal circumstances, he's now in the fire uh, service to, to come and play with Dumbarton in the local area. Uh, where they where they live, so you know it was a perfect fit for us, and probably a perfect fit for Mark. And he's he's came in, and I've got to say he's he's been excellent since he came in. He's he showed those leadership qualities in the dressing room and on the pitch. You know, akin to that, he's he's also got Sean Crichton. You know, who's a yeah. very experienced player as well, and yeah. uh, and he's his vice captain. So the two of them work very well. And and you know, obviously, any manager will tell you this. You know, having experienced players you know, look after the dressing room when you're not in it and your management team's not in it, it's vitally important uh, if you're going to be successful. Yeah, it must make it easier for you having guys in there who've played at that level. Guys like even Greg Wilde, who's played for Rangers at the very highest level in the game, having that in the dressing room must be a big you know, boost for a lot of the young boys that are in there too. Oh, absolutely. Do you know, if you, if you take Greg, he's a, he's a constant professional, Greg. He's, he's excellent. Do you know, I, I, I've, I've worked with him now for nearly 18 months and mm. He, I can't see anything but good things about him. He trains the proper way. He, he, he lives the proper way away from the game. He applies himself the proper way. So, do you know, he's. Uh, I just believe that we've got a. We've signed well in terms of characters this year, in terms of the right type, and certainly that's not going to be any excuse if we, if we come short at the end of the season because I believe we've got the right type in the dressing room this year, uh, alongside and, and aligned to the quality that, that these players have also on the pitch. So hopefully it makes for a for a good. Uh, a good combination to, to go and be successful Obviously it's still very very early days but you've had a reasonable start to the season, a decent League Cup campaign and a difficult group and obviously had the, the draw against Bonnyrigg to start the season but you'll be looking to kick on and get yourselves up that top of that league as early as possible and make a statement and try and stay there No absolutely, Do you know that's the, that's the aim I think the aim of any manager is to, the first game of the season is to try and get points on the board, you, you ideally want three but if you don't get three then you, you, you try and ensure that you at least that one uh, and we did that on Saturday. I thought we were unfortunate probably not to win the game. But ultimately, Robbie will say that he, his side did very well to, mm. to ensure that they came back into the game and, and grabbed a point. So uh, we move on for that and, and we look forward to Saturday against Spartans at home and our first home game of the season. But ultimately, we'll just one at a time. I know it's an old cliche, but we do believe that if we if we play the way we can play and the way we've, we've obviously started the season, then we're going to give, give ourselves a good chance of being successful. Yeah, what would it mean to the the fans at Dumbarton if you were able to, you know, get promotion or even have a, a good run in this in this trophy and, and try and get some some success? They must you know must have felt a sense of disappointment and maybe even let them down a wee bit with the way things went last season when it sort of just fell away and Stirling Albion had that great run. I think that's what made it worse. Do you know, I think if we had a fantastic start, we probably had a great middle and we had a poor end and I think that was the, the disappointing thing for everybody and, and you know obviously the fans felt that more than anybody because yeah. they're the, the ones that are emotionally you know, uh, consumed in the, any football club so it would it would mean a lot for us to, to repay them in terms of getting them uh, that one better this season and, and you know the fans were, were throwing their numbers again uh, against Bonnerig and Saturday and they'll continue to do do that they're, you know they're a, they're a loyal group of fans they're Barton fans and 
and they they expect and they have an expectation, which there's nothing wrong with that in terms of you know their football club and and, and you know uh, having success. So we hopeful we're hopeful that we can go and have a good season and and a and a season that they can they can enjoy this season and hopefully go one better than we did last year. Brilliant, Stevie. Thanks for your time and good luck for the rest of the season. No worries at all, Callum. Thank you. Up next, we'll be speaking to Kelly B striker Bobby Wales to get his thoughts on next week's match. So yes, I'm joined by Bobby Wales from Kilmarnock B. Bobby, how you doing? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Um, obviously, we've got you on today um, ahead of your match next week against Dumbarton. But just looking back quickly at the last round, um, brilliant result to, to beat Bonnie Rig Rose 3-1. You must have been pleased with, with that as a team. Yeah, we were really happy because one thing we set out was uh, we knew we wouldn't really cope physically with them, but we knew that we'd outplay them and that's exactly what we'd done. And by the end of the match, we actually realised that we, we did kind of cope with them physically because we knew that we'd have to be sharper, passing sharper shots, everything like that. So we knew that we'd just have to be a step ahead and that's what we'd done. And uh, we thought we'd done a win, which we were happy with, yeah. Yeah, obviously it's a big test against a, a League 2 side. That'll give you some confidence going into another game against a a fourth-tier side in, in Dumbarton. Yeah, yeah, because we, us players, we've said that we think Dumbarton will be better and we hope for a better game. But at the weekend, Dumbarton and Bonnie Nick drew. So we'll expect a high standard, of course, but we'll try our best to get through the next round. Yeah, and how did it feel for you to get on, on the score sheet in that one? Yeah, it's what, what I try to do because I do play striker, so I want to at least score a goal a game. So I was happy to start off on the first game getting a goal. And how beneficial have you found this competition and, and playing in the B team in terms of getting experience of, of men's football and getting those vital minutes that you need to go on and kind of try and break into that first team at Kelly? Yeah, it's really beneficial because obviously as I'm still young, it's been a lot of academy football we've played in the past years. So playing against older men, I don't have to use my brain more than my feet. So it has, been, it has helped me a lot and I know that it will take me it will help me uh, take it into, if I do play for Kilmarnock in future years, yeah. And, and you, you've played quite a few games already for Kelly, haven't you? Last season got, got some minutes off the bench and things like that. Mm-hmm. I played uh, 10 times last season, so I hopefully try to get as, as much or even more as can this season. Yeah, I, t- I take your hopes are just to kind of keep in the manager's uh, eye line and, and try and get a little bit more time on the pitch in the coming season. Yeah, I hope for the best because he's still... Still looking to bring players in, so I'll just try my best for time, be- time being and then see how the season goes, yeah. Yeah, and a good start for them at the weekend, beating Rangers as well, so that, that must make life a bit more difficult for you. <laughs> no, I'm just happy. The team's really happy about that as well, so that's all. Yeah, and you're a, you're a Kilmarnock fan, uh, I understand. Yeah, I am, so yeah. Must uh, must mean quite a lot to you to get out there on, on the pitch and, and play for your team. Yeah, it is, it is quite surreal because... I even said last season in an interview, I had John Jones, Bonnie McKenzie in the back of my shot when I was younger. <laughs> and I was starting matches with JJ last season, so I was surreal. And, and, you know, this competition and, and this podcast, when we do it, it's a lot of it's about connecting football with the community and the community trust and, and kind of vice versa. How much does the team mean to the town of Kilmarnock and sort of vice versa? How much does the town mean to... The players and, and how much do the fans mean to the players? I take it there's a really strong connection there between between both. Yeah, it was really strong because when you're in a league at Celtic Rangers, Aberdeen, and what so, uh, there is you do depend on your football team a lot to bring joy to the town if it's not as as big or as wealthy. 
But even they said at the community, like the summer camps that's happening, all the players are signing stuff at lunchtime. Like, I used to go to the summer camp when I was five, mm-hmm. seven. So, so it is good to see the players are taking time to do that to make the kids happy as well, yeah. And and this competition, you know, how far do you see yourselves going? Do you, do you set an aim for maybe trying to get deeper into the competition? Yeah, well, obviously you go into something hoping to win it. And as much as it would be difficult, we do want to win it. Because uh, last season we got, we, we lost to Montreal, so I'm not sure which round it was, but we won our first two games. Mm. But if we can match that or go higher, we'll be delighted. But we do want to go in and try win the win the Trust Trophy Cup. Yeah, and obviously you're quite used to, to winning trophies as well. You know, winning the Reserve Cup last season with, with the Kelly um, Reserves. Is there, is there quite a good batch of youngsters you feel that are coming through at the club right now? Yeah, for definite. Uh, like me and myself, Stevie Warnock, we had a competition last season to get top goal scorer. Mm. Came down to the final game and scored one each. So I ended up on a draw. We'll try to do that this season as well. But uh, yeah, because I've played with some of these boys, like Aaron Brown, Keen Leslie. I've known them since I was nine. I know myself, like even David Watson, I know he's excelled a wee bit, but I've known him since I was mm. eight as well. So I've grew up with these boys and it's great to play with them week in, week out as well. That must be brutal for a striker having to share the kind of top goal scorer accolade. It must, that must really hurt you. It does, but Stevie gets the penalties, so... Ah, oh, right. So uh, so you basically won it then? Yeah, I, I got all the open goals. <laughs> there you go. Okay, Bobby, no, top man. Um, thanks for coming on and speaking to us and good luck um, against Dumbarton in midweek. Yeah, thanks very much. No problem. Cheers, mate. Now, before we get into our predictions for the second round, let's have a run-through of the first round results. Breakin City 2, Hearts B2, Breakin City winning 5-3 on penalties. Elkin City 2, St Johnston B0, Hibs B1, for Martin United 1, Hibs B winning 3-2 on penalties. Brewer Rangers 1, Aberdeen B1 with Aberdeen B winning 4-2 on penalties. Dundee B4, Bucky Thistle 0. St Mirren B2, Albion Rovers 2 with the Lone League side winning 4-2 on penalties. Trinent nil, Motherwell B nil with Trinent winning 3-1 on penalties. Spartans nil, Rangers B3, Kilmarnock B3, Bonnie Rigros 1, University of Stirling 4, Livingston B nil, and finally Celtic B1, East Kilbride 3. Now if you were listening carefully to those you'll already know the answer to what's coming. It's time for the SPFL Trust Football Powered Prediction League. And Jake and I have been going head-to-head for the duration of the trophy to find out who really has the best knowledge of Scottish football. I won last year, it's safe to say. Um, clearly, 4-2. Um, but with the new season, we started afresh in the last episode and we predicted how many goals would be scored in the first round. And I did say earlier, if you were listening carefully, if you could keep up, um, you could have added up how many goals were there. Jake said 33 and I said 37. The correct answer was, in fact, 33. Wow. Meaning that Jake was actually bang on the money and takes the lead um, into round two. And for is round two, we're going to be predicting how many clean sheets will be kept in 10 it, games. Is there a bonus point for that, getting it bang on the button? Oof, that's a, maybe we need an independent adjudicator for that, Lawrence, if you want to, to act as the adjudicator. Do you think he deserves a bonus point for getting I, that? I don't I, think we've had that before. I think absolutely deserves a bonus point for that, particularly <laughs> if I'm standing in for him today. <laughs> Okay, well, in, in that case, uh, Jake's 2-0 in front. Um, and for round two, we're going to be predicting how many clean sheets will be kept um, in the 10 games that we have. Um, unfortunately, Jake is on holiday, no doubt, sunning himself on the beach in Benidorm or engaging in some kind of other activity. 
in the Spanish sun. Um, so he's unable to gloat about his victory. Um, and as such, Lawrence is going to pick for Jake in this round. So, Lawrence, from those 10 games, how many clean sheets are going to be kept? Bear in mind, 10 games does mean 20 teams, so there's a maximum of 20 clean sheets available to be kept. Well, I think that this is a competition that has a lot of goals in it. I think historically it's been a really high-scoring competition. It tends to be uh, above the average goals that you get in league games, whether that's just the freedom or the nature of of teams from different divisions and obviously some non-league teams, some B teams involved. So I reckon it's going to be another corker of a round and so just three clean sheets for me or Jake. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to just be a horrible, horrible person and say four um, for that reason that oh, it limits what you can do. Um, but I understand your logic. I think in the last round, we only had six games, uh, sorry, six clean sheets from the 11 games. So that's six out of a possible uh, 22 clean sheets that you could have had. So lots of high scoring games, lots of big results. Um, and looking ahead to the, the fixtures for the second round, is there any particular games that are, are catching your eye, Lawrence? Uh, yeah, there's some really um, interesting ties. We, we're obviously chatting about Kilmarnock B against Dumbarton today, which yeah. I think is a, a really interesting one. Dumbarton, I think, would hope to go and win at Rugby Park, um, but there is the the added benefit that Kilmarnock have that they play all their matches there, which is a little bit different to some of the other B teams. Um, I think there are some really tight ties, um, actually, at this stage of the competition, which is uh, which probably... Um, indicates um, the backing for three clean sheets is completely wrong. Um, I think really interesting will be seeing how uh, Hibernian B go against Brecon City. That's the second home uh, game at Glebe Park yeah. uh, against an Edinburgh B team um, featuring in that. And I think in the first round, if I remember correctly, um, Brecon were a couple of goals up. Hearts brought it back to parity and, and ultimately um, Brecon edged it on, on penalty kicks um, from memory, which you've now confirmed by showing me the notes to that. So good to Good that I am actually switched on to, to what's going on. Um, and the other one I think will be really interesting to see Stenhouse Muir against Rangers B. Um, Rangers B, I think, would have um, a desire in terms of getting past that, but I think Stenhouse Muir would be hoping to, to hold their ground. So th- there's some definitely some really intriguing ties, I think. Yeah, absolutely. The ones that are, are standing out to me are two teams that haven't been involved in this competition before ever um, in any guys. Uh, Trinent going away to Albion Rovers that'll be a test for them obviously two teams that will meet each other in the loan league this season as well one being in the loan league courtesy of relegation Albion Rovers and one courtesy of promotion being Trinent um, and you also have University of Stirling going to Clyde they had a great cup run last year in the Scottish Cup um, the University of Stirling getting all the way to I think the fourth round to play Dundee United and yeah. end up falling just a little bit short um, huge away support at Tandice as well if I remember for that recaptured imagination yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm sure the students will be out in force for, for that one as well against Clyde. That's a big game for them against League 2 opposition. Um, and yeah, like you say, it'll be interesting just in general to see how at this stage of the season you've got a few B teams that still in the mix in there. Um, you know, big hitters like like your Rangers B and, and, and Hibs and Aberdeen, but also Dundee B have done well to get, get into the next round. So have Kilmarnock B. So um, yeah, it's all set up to, to be interesting and hopefully only... Uh, four clean sheets are kept. Dundee B's result against Bucky in the last round, I thought, stood out because mm. the B teams, um, where they did make it through, it tended to be quite, uh, quite tight in places. I, I think looking at it, Rangers B had a had a, a reasonably comprehensive win, but there weren't too many other examples of that. And, yeah. and Dundee, um, four to no reply against a, a decent Highland League team. 
that was one that I looked at and thought, well, given the, the stage of the season, the first team obviously making their return to the Premiership, wondered how strong the B team might be that they actually put out. But the answer is pretty comprehensive. Yep, so those games will take place on August 15th and 16th and we'll be back in the next episode to let you know exactly how they got on. If you want to learn more about the SPFL Trust, check out their Facebook and Twitter or visit spfltrust.org.uk forward slash trophy to learn more about the work they do and, of course, the competition itself, the SPFL Trust Trophy. And for more information about today's topics and participants, you can take a look at the episode notes. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye. This is the SPFL Trust Football Powered Podcast. Thank <laughs> you.